to Ruby Red Slippers Soul Care Podcasts and the Renegade Women and Soul Care Series. I'm your host, Arlana Scola. My guest today is, is Kimeth Jackson, and she is a renegade woman. Kimeth is a licensed clinical social worker for the District of Columbia and the state of California, and the proud graduate of the then All Women's Chatham College. Kimeth's clinical counseling practice is grounded in individual empowerment and healthy choice living. Kimeth provides grief and psychological counseling, leadership coaching, expressive arts, and soul care to address the numerous heavy challenges life can bring. Kimeth has worked internationally as a clinical investigator for the British government, and in 2019, developed an evidence-based clinical pilot conducted at UCSD Medical Center. Subsequently, that research manuscript for the integration of music therapy on an inpatient progressive care unit, improving pain and anxiety management, was chosen for publication by Clinical Care Nursing Quarterly 2019 edition. Today, Kimeth lives at home in Capitol Hill and is finishing her first novel, The Last Unheard Child. She is also the founder of Hilltime Counseling. Before we get started, I want to give a definition of what a renegade woman is. A renegade woman is a woman who behaves in an unconventional manner, a woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, her passion, and rises to overcoming, to serving, to serving, to bettering the world and any number of verbs that call to her soul. Some ask, what is soul care? Mm -hmm. Soul care is an ancient practice and a modern day necessity. The care of the soul was and is central to our spiritual history. C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Caring for the soul matters because soul neglect happens, soul deprivation is real, and caring for the soul is of vital importance to leading a well-balanced and abundant life. We should remember to take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. So, Kimeth, welcome, and let's talk about. It's how so nice met. to be here with you. Um, I listen. I, I thank you, Arlana, for having me here today to talk about soul care with you, and um, the the audience or the listeners wouldn't know this, but we actually um, recorded this podcast. A week ago, and it was just super amazing, right? So amazing that yes. 30 seconds after you called me and said, we're going to release it as is. And then 30 seconds after that, you called me and said, there were difficulties. We need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. So, you know, uh, thank you. I'm here. Um, it uh, feels really great to be speaking about soul care and being a renegade woman on Sunday uh, today, this beautiful day, at least here in, in Washington, D.C., where um, we have some sun today. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. So how we met. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Arlana, um, I remember those days. So Arlana and I met in the field, uh, as I like to say, hospice soldiers, end of life care soldiers. 
Um, yes. And, and, you know, angels, we were, of course, so uh, blessed to have the role that we had back in those days, the chaplain, the supportive care, the medical social worker, the chaplain, and even music therapists, um, which were largely unheard of in, in that time. Right. Um, we're medically trained and we would um, help people transition. We were we were tasked with helping people transition and their family members and their loved ones from life to death. Yes. You know, we think about when babies are born, there's everyone is there. I know you're, you just had a new grandchild. Congratulations. Thank you. And when a baby is born, you can think about it. Everyone is there, you know, to help usher that baby to life, mothers, fathers, aunties, uncles, grandparents, nurses, doctors. Um, Similarly, when people are dying, they need a committed, devoted team, right? Yes. Enthusiastic team to help um, transition them from, from life to death. And that's what we did. And that's how we met. Yes. It, it was an honor to serve with you and with our team. We were, we were so cohesive and Mm -hmm. had such a beautiful understanding of supporting one another and journeying alongside one another as we journeyed alongside those that were transitioning from life to death and their family members. And I know so many times being out in the field, driving, you know, six, 700 miles a week, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I remember I had to buy a Prius because uh, we were driving so much and, you know, you would hear people complain about, right, being in traffic. And I'm thinking, you have no idea. I've got someone who needs me, right? Right. They're they're two, they're a hundred miles away. I'm on call. I got to get there. I got to get there and I got to get there fast. Exactly. And how we would meet in the field and oh. just have these amazing experiences of, so lovely. you know, angels showing up and amazing <laughs> things happening and leaning on one another. And it was just oh. such a really, really good time. It was such me. a good time. Yeah. It, yeah. it was just a beautiful experience in all the different facets of it, you know? Lots of miracles. Um, yeah. Arlena, this is going to, this is going back some years. Um, but what I found about working with you in particular is that um, you seem to have, you know, wherever you went, you created a space for the miracle to occur. Mm, wow. And um, do you remember we were, serving and i love that you know yeah serving i mean we they this gentleman was our patient his family but we were serving this retired police chief yes and, oh, <laughs> you remember this yeah and um arlana and i were called he was eminent and we um got to know the family over a few visits before this gentleman passed uh, he, this gentleman was a police chief or, you know, he was kind of a big guy and he wasn't known to sort of be like <clears throat> the friendliest person on earth, but he was known to have a sense of humor. Yes. Remember that? Absolutely. So, and I, I may mean, bring back some memories for you and, and just for the listeners, this was not the first time something like this happened. 
but uh, Erlana, myself, and the daughter of this gentleman, and I believe her husband or partner at the time, were in the room when he took his last breath. And that's right. And it was you, Arlana, myself, and the daughter and the boyfriend or the husband that remained. The lights were off. And suddenly, what happened? The lights went on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the lights went on. Now, Arlana, the lights were off. The, the, and the daughter, I remember she said, that's just like him. Yes. Right? You know, yes. but do you remember the last little thing that happened? No, remind me. I don't remember. When I was um, sort of getting his body ready for presentation, I moved his head and in the back of his neck was a little note. And it was, it said, gotcha. Oh, gosh. Do you remember? How did I forget that. And his daughter said he always had to have the last word. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's those little things yes. like this. This I, you know, we can't. Yep. We don't know when he wrote that little note, but just that sort of thing where at the end of life, and so many people address death and dying with you know a, a sense of somberness of course we know right. pain and grief but you know life end of life is coming just like the beginning of life and, right and if we decide some people really um take hold of that and make it um a very special time and a very unique time absolutely and <laughs> and it really is it's a it's a sacred opportunity to care for the soul of a human being. I love that. And to care for one another at the same time, because the work is hard, you know, it's real. It's hard. It, it's, you know, and, and that was the beauty for me is that, yeah. you know, we met at the workplace, we met in the field and wow. we learned from one another to trust. And mm. we learned from one another that this thing we were given was a great opportunity to have an amazing friendship. That's, you know, mm. a, a great gift. Yeah. A great gift. And, you know, coming on, I don't know, 15, 18 years of friendship, something like God, that. Something that's like that. And yeah. I, I just, listen, I just remember, um, you know, for, Anyone that understands hospice care, end of life care, uh, many people, right, believe that hospice is a place you go to, and that's not true, right? right. Hospice happens wherever you are. Right. You and I have served patients living in a homeless patients living in their car, yep. patients living in trailers, patients living in the canyon, yep. patients living in... $10 million homes, patients yes. living in skilled facilities, um, wherever end of life care is needed. Uh, you know, we went there and which meant that we spent our lives in our cars and in the field. And uh, I just remember many days pulling over and calling you or you calling me and just pulling over for an hour and talking and coaching each other through yes. uh, the fact that we would be going on call for 72 hours until Monday morning at 8 a.m. Right. Do you remember? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, 
uh, the days of calling the medical examiner and yep. calling the time of death and 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 being there for families and and teaching families to in those last moments uh, participate in a life review yeah. that was um, happy, joyous, joyful, and liberating. That you know to help people say, "Yeah, I know you're sad, but what else did that that beautiful woman do? Did right? Which did she have a sense yes. of humor? Did she have to have the last cookie? You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and." Before you know it, you have loved ones sitting around laughing and and you say, yeah, this is what we do. Yep. This is what we do. I have to tell you, I've never told you this before. There is, um, There was a lady, I um, helped her transition. She was a younger lady. Um, mm. She and her husband, beautiful home, second marriages for both of them, just amazing. And she passed away, it's probably been 14 years Mm -hmm. Every Mother's Day, every Christmas, and every New Year's, I get a text from him saying, wow. I hope you're blessed and thank you. Amen. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Um, the, the, the thought that, that someone or a group of people would go through this transition without um, a group of professionals. Right. I, I, I think, you know, we always think about the doctors and the nurses for good reasons. These are amazing professionals. Um, but people forget about it's supportive care team, right? The, the yes. chaplain, the social worker. And, um, and so I just feel super honored. I, I always say to, to people, I don't know what it's like to deliver a baby, but I do know what it's like to help deliver someone from life to the yes. next. And that for me is, will be my greatest honor. And, I, you know, you talk about renegade women, you know, Arlana, not everyone can do this. Yes, 100, 100% true. It takes a special human being. And for you and I, the renegade woman status, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, you know, people, I, I, one of my favorite things to do is was to train interns yes. coming out of, mm -hmm. and we trained, of course, and you did as well. Yes. The supportive care team would train anything from medical, uh, medical school interns, social yep. work interns, music interns, chaplaincy interns, yep. um, because they, they had to learn the ropes. And one it was one of my favorite things to do was to train interns yeah, and, and take them through this beautiful um, experience of being a part of someone's life while they battled uh, terminal and in incurable illness. Yes. Um, to help people understand that end of life care wasn't giving up. It was another choice and it was a choice to enhance the quality of life while accepting that it's it's winding down time, yes. right? Yes. And uh, I just think, you know, we learned so much. We, World War II veterans. Uh, yeah. I had a, remember that wonderful couple in uh, Northern um, 
San Diego, the sky was a World War II veteran. Yes. Been 99 years old, married yep. to his wife for 70 years. And, and he said to me, I've always been embarrassed to tell people that I am a veteran of World War II. And I said, why? And he said, because I never deployed. I stayed in America yeah. and I, I made the bread. Mm-hmm. I was a baker. And yep. I said, but you fed those soldiers. Yes. You know, so it, it really is that one is when 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 my time comes, I, I will look to God and say, um, please, I hope I get to see my friends again. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it was a great time. And I'm so thankful that you came back from your uh, your British um, yes. work. And, yes. And that the first place that you were employed when you got back to the United States was where we met. So I'm thankful for that. What else would you like the listeners to know about you that wasn't on your bio? Okay. So um, I, I love this idea of being a renegade woman. And I, I thought about this and there's a sentence you, you said about fulfilling your vocation or, or something yes. mm-hmm. to the like. Um, you know, Arlana, the thing that I'm most proud of is that I am an American social worker. And um, being an American social worker is on the one hand, but on the other hand, it is what you do with your life, right? It's, it's the commitment you make to people, groups, uh, populations, communities, individuals. Um, and so I am, that, that's the most important thing. I'm an American social worker and this has meaning, right? This means something called yeah. the social worker. Yeah. Although I'm a, a counseling therapist and I have a private practice, I always see myself as a social worker. Uh, I'm so grateful to the renegade women that came before me and trained me and coached me like Dr. Deborah uh, Rubin back at Chatham College for Women when I was a student. Um, She's still around, retired. And so um, that, let's see, a social worker. And the other thing I'd like to tell you is that um, you know, I've just come back from two months in Indonesia. Yes. And as a renegade woman, I have now turned my life over to the idea of living as a digital nomad. Yes. <laughs> renegade, <laughs> baby. Renegade, right. And I think that many people are very curious about this idea in that the past two years of pandemic and uh, isolation and struggle in this country have in some other ways unlocked other possibilities. Yes. Um, and Very so for, true. yeah. And so for anyone that's interested, um, I am living that life. As you know, I've just come back from Bali where I was two months in, in the jungle in a villa, a lady and monkeys and snakes. Yes. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and just, what it means to have the courage to test your limits yes to see what um the divine spirit has in store for us 
um, outside of, of course, I have my wonderful private practice and I have this amazing novel that I'm working on and all of these loving, beautiful friends and the daily experiences of living on this earth. But also I have, as you know, a jewelry line. Yes. <laughs> that is so. Tell us more. So I have a jewelry line um, that I named years ago called Tribal Elegance. Yes. And my uh, work is primarily sterling silver, all natural stones and earthly elements. And most recently, I'm working on a new collection called Wings of Grace. And I'm very, very excited about this collection. It's these beautiful sterling silver wings with all of these great crystals. But I think that the deal is this. People go, wait a second. How could you have a jewelry line, be a psychotherapist, be writing a novel, have done a research project? Because we can do whatever we want. That's right. right? That there is no, I am not one thing. I am uh, multifaceted. Multifaceted. Right. And I, and you know, Arlana, for so long, I lived my life afraid of, um, expressing myself right yeah but when we let go we are capable of so much absolutely true so, and i think yeah. part of it is embracing the renegade woman and allowing her to forge the path for us and i think that oftentimes it it takes some time for us to you know to acknowledge our renegade womanness you know i mean i didn't just yes. wake up and, and realize it i may have been it and little flecks would show up but to realize it and to own it and to know like you mentioned i was raised by a pack of renegade women you know oh yes and you were i know your mother <laughs> I mean, a pack of them and to be able to stand in that beautiful power and say, yes, I've been through a lot. Yes, this has happened. That's happened. But I'm a renegade woman and I'm going to keep on going and I'm on to the next passion piece and I'm on to the next way that I can mm -hmm. nurture someone's soul. And I'm on to the next book that I'm going to write that is hopefully going to help somebody and to encourage women to say, you know what? I am a renegade woman and renegade is not a bad word. Renegade is a That's powerful, right. awesome word. Renegade is a powerful, awesome word. I think this word is underused. And I think this word is underused, particularly by women. Yes. And I mean, let's face it. Any single mother on the planet yeah. is a renegade. Is woman. a renegade. Okay. I know what it's like to be a single mom. You know what it's like yep. to be a single mom. Anyone uh, that can do that is a renegade woman. Anyone that can have a child at the age of 17, as I did alone, yes, alone, absolutely. Um, and, and make it and be happy. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Love yourself. Yep. Uh, that's a renegade woman. Um, but we're afraid, right? We're afraid right. to own it because... Um, for many of us, we were taught to stay in our place, right. to <laughs> know Don't our place the box. and step, right. Yeah. And, and I think my 
for many years I suffered. I suffered um, emotionally because I had all of these amazing things going on inside me. And what I did was stuff them deep down somewhere and I tried to fit into other people's boxes, right? right? And so instead of me um, finding the people, places, and things that I fit, that fit who I was, as a woman, yeah. I was looking to fit myself into other people's lives and yes. ideas about living. Um, you know, and I want to say that yeah. when I was in seminary, I had some amazing, beautiful, powerful um, women professors that mentored me and that were renegades in their own right. And I said to this amazing um, Reverend doctor, I said, you know, um, I wish I fit in. Mm. He said, you know, Arlana, if you fit in, then you'd be like everybody else. Why? Wow. (laughs) And that's what I said. Wow. I just got goosebumps repeating those priceless words. And I would like you to repeat in our initial podcast that um, still sits in the draft section because of the technical difficulties. You mentioned something about what uh, Carl Jung said. Yes. Yes. When I read this, you know, I, I was in school at the time studying psychology, very confused about who I was. On the one hand, I knew who I was and I had all these interests. And I mean, I would change my hairstyle every day and people would say, that's so weird. And I would hear those words and think, oh, then that means I need to change again. Right. And then one day I read this line And Carl Jung said, one day you will grow up and the world will ask you who you are. And if you don't know, the world will tell you who you are. Yes. So figure out who you are and the rest will follow. Priceless. Right? I mean, speechlessness over here. (laughs) When you first said it, I'd never, I'd never heard that statement before. And I just thought, oh, wow. Every, every, that's okay. Every female on the planet needs to own that statement. Every female on the planet needs to own that statement. Um, Of course, we have dogs barking in the background. That's okay. That's life. Yeah, that's uh, that's life, and <laughs> and that that's that's life in remote living. You know, yeah, right. um, <laughs> you know. So right, and but that that saying helped me tremendously. It helped me kind of give myself permission just to say I don't necessarily fit the constructs of what I see around me and what you know, I've been told that uh, is the proper way, but I know who I am. Yes. And who I am is simply a colorful, I just don't fit in to any particular box. Yeah. Uh, Actually, you were someone that really helped me with this because uh, getting back to that digital nomad, I've always been someone that's moved around, right? I've always moved from state to state, country to country, apartment to apartment. And then 
it's never really bothered me. It's always felt right to me, but I would get this feedback from others that I wasn't stable or I should stay here or there. And you were the first person I just sort of said, yeah, I, I really like, this is me. are renegade women and we will not let anything stop us (laughs) all right (laughs) so we're going to continue on part two of our uh, amazing conversation about renegade women and soul care with kimeth jackson so what is your favorite word and why kimeth okay my favorite word arlana is hello hello yeah, I, I'm going to laugh here because I'm just thinking of um, of uh, what, excuse me, the singer's name, just, hello, is it you, uh, is it me you're looking for? Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. Lionel Richie. Uh, but I'm but wait, let me say, you know what? Adele does a hello also. Does she? Oh, she does. Yeah. Yes, I yes. forgot about that. And of course, we love Adele. Yes, um, we do. Yeah, I love the word hello because i i actually think it's the friendliest word in the vocabulary and it's so disarming right when it is yeah when someone says hello i'll be with you in a moment hello how are you you're in a strange community a strange country a strange neighborhood you're meeting a date for the first time, a hearty hello just sets the tone. Yes, it does. And it's the beginning of kindness. Yeah, yes, that, it is. That is absolutely beautiful. And you know, because you you speak some other languages, as do yeah. I, yeah. and it is extraordinarily powerful to greet someone in their native tongue. It shuts everything down and you were automatically welcomed into their cultural time and space and I absolutely love it is so true and I have an interesting memory um, that is probably going to give you chills but once upon a time your uh, former um, your former father-in-law was um, hospitalized at that time, I was working the ER um, at a hospital a level, a tr- level one trauma center in San Diego, California. And you called me and you said, listen, my sons and my former father-in-law, they're all on the way to the hospital. He's sick. I know that um, they are originally from Iran. And I happen to you know, just know how to greet them right. in their language. Yeah. And, and I, I just remember um, how they, the, your family, you know, your sons, it's like, yeah, your father-in-law, it's like, okay. Yep. I, that was this very is, special. Yeah. And so you, you're absolutely right to say buenos dias or Keith Hart. Right. Um, as uh or in Germany, you know, in German, uh, uh, you know, to be able to say hello to someone is, is a very, it's, 
It puts, hello it's, puts smiles on people's it does. faces. It brings <laughs> kindness and peace and love and joy. And it's just such a, it's such a beautiful word. And I, and I, until you mentioned it on our first attempt at podcasting, right. um, I hadn't thought of it in such a powerful format. I had thought about it in relation to how other cultures, when you're able to speak their language, just, you know, are, are opened up and, and beguiled by that. But um, I hadn't thought about it in our own language. And so I want to thank you for, <laughs> for putting that definition to it, because it's definitely changed my perception of that mm -hmm. one simple word. So thank you very much for that. You are welcome. And I just want to last thing about this word, you know, it, hello, the greeting, the invitation for people to relax yes, and, and to come into the space is so important. I have uh, a patient who I've been seeing for a long time. She's a remarkable young lady. And um, I had um, been working with her to get out and to volunteer. And she came back to me last year and she says, oh, you know, I said, how was your first day? And she goes, it's good, but no one speaks to me. No one spoke mm. to me. And I said, okay, did you speak to them? And she said, no. And I said, tomorrow when you go in, just say hello. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now she's telling me how she hangs out with these folks. Yeah. Every Wednesday, <laughs> you know, at lunchtime. So, um, you know, we're also, we all need someone to just say hello to us. Yes. Yes, we do. And as you were recounting that beautiful little story of how one word can change things, I was thinking of that is the word for a renegade woman starter kit. Just say hello. Just say hello. <laughs> is it me you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. my favorite word. Thank you. What, what is your least favorite word and why? Gosh, this, this is a mixed bag. My least favorite word, and this is a little bit of stubbornness, is no. Um, I've been told, no, you can't. No, you can't do it. You can't have it. You yeah. can't get there. You can't, you can't do it. it. You're right. And so I, my reaction is always, who says I can't? However, yeah. you know, no is also a very important word. No is a word of boundaries. Yes, yes, um, it is. and so it's an important word. But for now, I will say that might be my least favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what makes you weep? <sighs> Love and cruelty equally. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The to witness love is such a beautiful thing to witness it as a bystander, to witness it as someone experiencing it. So many forms of love, right? Similarly, cruelty uh, yes. brings sadness upon me and, and moves yeah. me to weep, both. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, what is the hardest thing that you have ever done? Hmm. I have done so many hard things in my life, Arlana, so many things that even as I sit here today as a 57-year-old woman, I cannot believe, I, I think, wow, you did that? Um, but by far, without 
hesitation, the hardest thing that I've ever had to learn to do is to love myself. Yes. And love yes. myself completely. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And that can be a hard thing. It can yes. be so hard. And I think for women, right, for little girls, from the time we have awareness, we are told how to coif our hair, right. how to speak, how to walk, how to dress, um, what our duties are um, as, as women, as girls, our bodies, uh, you know, this is the way you should look. This is, should be the color of your skin. This is how sil yeah. silky your hair should be. Right. This is the makeup. You and, and, you know, this just becomes so difficult. But um, when we get that nugget, when we get that, when we, we start to develop that awareness, and we start to understand just how beautiful it feels, how satisfying it is to love ourselves. And, yes. and that we, we're really the only ones that need to give ourselves permission when we surrender um, whatever we thought we should be or, you know, we should accomplish. And we just stick to the love. It's an amazing journey. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree with that. Um, if you could go back to your younger self and hand out free advice, what would you say? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. And you snuck that one in on me. Um, honestly, Arlana, this is a no-brainer. If I could go back to my younger self and, and just say to her, that little girl, any one thing, it would be, I guarantee you, you're going to be okay. Wow. I promise you, you will make it. Wow. No doubt, sweetheart, that you will be fine, that you will excel, that you will shine, that you will have yes. such a great life. It won't be easy, little girl, <laughs> but you will be just fine. Wow. If you believe in yourself. Yes. Yes. Priceless, priceless statement. Reminds me of that song. Don't stop believing. Yep. Me, right? yep. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it you is just click your true. heels three times. And, <laughs> that, hey, and, and move on down the yellow brick road. That's you know, it. as Absolutely. Kermit said, ease on down the road, baby. Ease on you down. Know? I think everyone should go back to their little person and, yep. and, you know, uh, younger than the age of 12 and, yep. and just let them know that they can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's wow. powerful. <laughs> do you ever feel that you are not a renegade woman? And if so, why? You know, Arlana, um, I will say this, and I hope that this is encouraging for all of the women that are listening. And I, I hope some little girls are listening. At this stage in my life, I very rarely think that I'm not a renegade woman. Amen. And I think that it's very important to say this. There was a time in my life that I could not see myself as a renegade woman. Mm -hmm. I needed the approval of others, the validation of others. And everything I, I did was really sort of 
focused and getting that validation or getting that approval. You know, right. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted justice. I wanted people yeah. to, to hear me. I wanted to believe I was important. When you get to a place in your life, as Carl Jung said, where you know who you are, you can actually get to a place where you never doubt who you are. Yep, that is truth. That is and, truth. And I, I may have, you know, like anyone else, there are days I roll over my bed and go, really? Yeah. <laughs> do I have to work today? Do I have to get up today? But Arlana, the one thing that I never do, I never do, it never crossed my mind that I'm not amazing. Amen. And that I'm, I'm not here for a reason. Yep. That I'm not supposed to be here and that there's not amazing work to be done. Uh, so yeah, there, today there's not really ever a time that I don't feel like a renegade woman, but there are times like every other human being that I, I feel I don't have as much enthusiasm in that day. Sure, that, in as that I moment. Would, but, yeah. But, but um, um, gratitude gets, gets me back to where I need to be. Wonderful, yes, yes, excellent. Um, what women have inspired you along the way? Gosh, so many, right? I, right. I think this could be many women sort of go to the names, right? That everyone knows. And, it, and then we sort of go to names of women that are sort of like in our cultural box, right? Right. The sphere. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So there, there are so many, but there, there are two women that come to mind. Uh, one is Betty Ford. Yeah. <laughs> because um, this lady was, she had enough courage, right, to decide that she needed to get some help. Yeah. And that her story and her journey could help others. Yes. And she did it with such amazing grace. And to this day, the Betty Ford clinics are helping yes. so many people. And and the Betty Ford clinics for many people are, are is how they get treatment. It's how they can see themselves through this woman who was a big figure and she was a you know, the life of a president. So Betty Ford, I love Betty Ford. I love her story. I love her mission. I love what she's done for people struggling with addiction. Um, the other woman that I really sort of see myself in her life and her journey is Harriet Tubman. Yes, 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 yes. And they called her the woman called Moses, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. as you know, I always been uh, very attracted to the name Moses. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Harriet Tubman, by the way, at the end of her journey, she had developed her own army of multi yes. multiracial. Yes. Right. She had developed, in, you know, her own army of soldiers yes. who, who yes, um, as a renegade woman, she sent out to do the good work of the Lord. Yep. Yep. Amen to that. Bring people to liberation. Yeah. Yes, absolutely <laughs> true. What soul care practice do you do, you do on a regular basis? Fantastic. Uh, this is very important. I think uh, we are human beings. We are people of routine, just as the sun uh, rises 
and it yep. sets the tide ebbs and flows we've this is how we operate right so routine is really healthy i do a lot of things but i want to say this just recently in indonesia i met these wonderful wonderful people wonderful couple emma and the lee and so i'm taking this from them while i did something similarly they introduced me to what they call the hour of power oh yeah the hour of power the first hour of the day yes that first hour and so mm -hmm. what i do is i get up in the morning i happen to get up maybe a little later maybe a, a little earlier than some people i get up at 7 a.m um I don't shower, I make a cup of coffee, I turn on some music, I sit at my desk, I don't work, mm -hmm. right? I don't work. The first thing I do is is read my daily inspirational. Yes. Um, I go, I take my dog for a walk, I meditate, I repeat words that feel good to me, I yes. eat, I eat, I drink. Yes. I sit with the divine spirit and I get ready, get ready for the day. Ready for the day. Yeah. I love yep. that. I that. write, write, um, you know, a couple of pages for my novel. Yes. The, the hour of power. Yes. And that, that ritual practice is, is so important. And I know that for me, when I travel, um, a lot of times I'm off my game in that format, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, the travel is fun and it's wonderful and all that, but I can't wait to get home to like reignite that power of my spiritual practice in the morning because it does set the tone for the day and it is deeply meaningful to me. So thank you for sharing that yeah. power, that, that is awesome. Yeah. And I, I want to say also, getting outside right yeah. mm -hmm. in, in today so many of us are working remotely um we have one zoom meeting after another yeah and and actually getting up going outside and treating yes. yourself to some vitamin d right, right. to treating yourself yeah. to the earth's particles treating yourself to the 2000 on your face that, that's it the clicks you get when you see other human beings the breeze on your face right. this keeps us connected um it's very important to me and that's that's a big part of my day is making yeah. sure that i break and i get out break and get out get out for a walk get out for a loaf of bread yes yes wonderful and i absolutely agree with all of that <laughs> um have you ever experienced deprivation of your soul Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, this, I, I think this is an important um, topic. So many of us are tasked with the responsibility of caring for others. Yes. Um, and, and even in positions and forms that we don't realize we go to work every day, we're all usually working on the bottom line for someone else. Right. And so it, if we're caregivers too, if we're trained, you know, givers, caregivers, like chaplains, right. workers, nurses, doctors, <laughs> therapists, we um, tend to put ourselves second or just yeah. on the back burner. And um, it, that deprivation can 
come in and take over your life before you know it. You're just right. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But um, there was a time in my life, Erlana, where I felt where I was sort of trying to achieve who I was as a woman, as a human being through the lens of other people's acceptance. Yes. And during that time, I feel I like I lost my soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm really happy there were a few people and situations along the way just to said, you know, you can surrender and actually take it, just take care of yourself. Yeah. Just be good to yourself. Just believe yeah. in yourself. Just care for yourself. So self-care is really, really important. The soul is just like any other vehicle. It needs fuel. Yes. It needs loving uh, touch. It needs time. It needs committed time. Yeah. Yes, it does. And I know that we've both fallen prey to not tending to our souls and um and the negative outcomes that we've received from um not doing the things that are necessary to pour into ourselves and to take time and and those kind of things um before we wrap up i wanted to ask you if you would be willing to read an excerpt from your (laughs) that wow okay I certainly would be. Um, As you know, um, you've asked for a big thing. And I have, while I've read uh, small excerpts of my novel, The Last Unheard Child, to um, in private audiences, I've not ever, I've certainly not read it um, for public release. And I would be happy to, it would be my honor. Thank you. So let me pull up something for you right here. Um, Thank you. This novel, Arlana, has taken me a lifetime to write. Yes. As you know, and you are also someone that knows that this book was written already in notebooks that are yes yeah turning brown that i've had yeah. for decades to finally have the courage right to transition that into something that i could share with others so for the reader thank you for asking for excuse me for the listener you'll have to sort of place this um protagonist this little girl is uh, has made this is a little girl she and her siblings are um, members of a ritualistic religious cult and they are waiting for liberation from this cult where they are with their mother and uh, this little girl who is seven years old in this excerpt is has developed a relationship with the tree that stands outside the attic window where she lives and I give you that so the listener can sort of place it because I am yes. taking an excerpt from the center of a, of, of a page, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, the Last Unheard Child. Yes, Maple was my best friend at the ashram. She never hurt me. It's true when we first met, I was suspicious of Maple. Perhaps it was the way she waited for me outside the attic window each day, unmoving and steady planted. 
but in the crisp, crackling cold of the night when Mabel and I began to whisper to each other, and when I heard her sweet, comforting voice for the first time, I knew I was safe. Mabel and I spoke each night all through the night. I was frightened. Of course I was. Always the scared little rat. But Mabel understood my fear. She was gentle with me, gentle the way mothers are supposed to be with their children, protective, tender, and encouraging. I had never seen or experienced a mother's tenderness, but intuitively I knew it was a mother's natural task. This is when Mabel told me she knew my daddy. Mabel told me this. She said, your daddy leaned on my womb early one morning before the sun turned red. Mabel said, Daddy sat there crouched down at her calf watching. Mabel then told me, Daddy mostly gazed upward at the window, and that's how I knew you were up there. Before your father left that morning, your daddy placed his flat hand on my dry, barky torso. He leaned into me with one knee bent and prayed all of his big wishes for you into my soft, green pillowy into my soft green pillowy pillow pillowy leaves excuse me he then steadied himself and stepped off quickly away from here before the rising of the ashram and all who lived in it wow <laughs> powerful powerful and Thank you. you are such an eloquent um powerful amazing crafter of words you have this beautiful gift and so i am excited to read the book when it is published i am excited that you shared a beautiful excerpt from the book and um just really really looking forward to that um becoming a um a public piece of art for people to read and um, grow from. I hope so, Arlana. Yeah. I, I'm ready. You know, um, yeah. this little girl in uh, ritualistic religious cult is something I know something about. Yes, yes. And um, this little girl, her story, she, de she deserves to be heard. Yes. And um, I Amen. hope for, yeah, for all the other little girls and boys uh, or now adults, men and women who have had similar experiences can find their liberation uh, through her voice. Yes. Yes. Through, through her I, untold story. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. As we begin to close, I want to let everyone know that if they would like to reach Kimeth, they can reach her at Hilltime Counseling, all one word, hilltimecounseling at gmail.com. Um, if they have questions about anything that she's spoken of today or want to get an idea of when the book is going to um, be published or are in need of a um, genuinely talented, beautiful, and amazing therapist, that would be how to reach her. And I want to say um, from my side of the fence, since we aren't together recording this, I want to remind people of my book, Sunsets and Soul Care. Wonderful um, book. 
that is thank you that is available um, through my website or on Amazon and also um, remind people of my soul care mastermind classes, my spiritual direction, the retreats that I put on and the podcasts um, here and the Renegade Women series. Um, my website is www.therubyredslippers.com if anyone would like any information on, um, on what's going on over here. Kimma, thank you first <laughs> for your friendship. Uh-huh. And second, for um, providing me with this great opportunity to learn about how you are a renegade woman and sharing that with other women to develop their renegade-ness or to outside <laughs> them in their renegade womanhood. So thank you so much. Arlana, you are welcome from the bottom of my heart. And remember this, it takes a renegade woman to know one. <laughs> <laughs> May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days. Oh, all of that. Amen. Thank you, my friend and sister and colleague and all of you know that. And I just want to invite women all around the world to uh, raise their voices up so that we can all hear it. We need you so much. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. You are welcome. All right. See you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.